0: Welcome back to Conversations at Midnight. Today, mm-mm-mm. today is a good night for podcasting. I'll tell you that much. It's nice and spooky, a little unsettling. And I thought, you know what? Beautiful time to record for the week's episode. So let me bust out the matches. Okay. Let's go set the mood right. The lights are off. And let's go light this candle real fast. There you go. Oh yeah. There you go. Got some candles going. Today's gonna be a good show. Or at least I hope it is. So today's episode we're gonna do something that I feel like I <laughs> I have to give a disclaimer too, honestly. Um just out of respect just for the sheer respect of the topic and as you can tell from the title we're going to talk about the missing 411 and i guess my disclaimer is is that anything i say i um i try to i'm going to try to do this with reverence i want to come at this topic um um and I have to be careful with my words, which is why I'm kind of stammering right now, because uh, I I really don't want to offend anybody. But the most that I can say is, whatever I'm saying is with the utmost respect, and this is not a parody of any kind or any... Um, I'm not making fun of this, and I would appreciate if the listeners, you guys, can approach this conversation with an open mind and with respect as well, right? So... Without further ado, let's dive right into this. People go missing a lot. um, All the time, even. It happens. More times than I think that we know. According to uh, the FBI.gov, there are, uh, as of 2019, the FBI releases 2019 missing people statistics. The missing people in the United States If I'm not mistaken, if I'm reading this right, it is, um, 609,000 missing people as of 2019 for that year alone. And I thought, man, you know, this is an interesting thing to to tackle. I had another, um, subject planned and I thought, no, no, I feel like this is the more important step. So I had to record this new one, uh, currently, I'm going to record this new topic and, um, because I I just feel like it's more fitting. So but I um I had this idea because I so I went hiking not that long ago. I went hiking and I and I decided to bring uh to bring my doggies. We um we went up this um drive down this down this canyon. And there's this pull off to the side of the road. So I pulled off because I saw like this beautiful, um, beautiful creek. So we pulled off and we walked towards the creek and um, and near the creek, someone made like a, like a little campfire behind all these trees. And there's these papers in it and, you know, I couldn't help. I started snooping and I looked and some of these papers, you know, they had the names of the person on it and stuff. And it was, you know, it it was, it was weird stuff. Like one of the things was a, um, was a license plate sticker for the month. And I thought, wow, like, why would you, and it was still on the paper that it came on and everything. So I just thought, why would you like, <laughs> why would you try to burn that, you know? And then there was an insurance card on it, about for a, uh, for a Ford GT and it had the person's name on it. And obviously I won't say it for the sake of them, but I just thought, oh man, that's really weird. And next to it was a, uh, I actually found a lighter. It was this, it's a metal, it's like a metallic framed lighter. It's a. I think it's called the, I think it's called a, a scorch torch or something like that. Found it, it barely works. Um, I th- I, th- I think the flint is out in it. Uh, the flint isn't there, so maybe I can put in a new flint so there's some sort of spark for the gas. The gas still releases in it, but it's just, I it's not igniting, so I, I guess it's the flint. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um... So I started looking through all of it and I just thought, man, you know, and I and I kind of made a joke to myself where I was just like, oh, what if what if he's missing now? You know, and immediately I I thought, oh, no, that was kind of tasteless because I started thinking about all the other people out there who who are missing. And apparently, according to FBI.gov, 600,000 as of 2019 alone. So I thought, oh, man, hmm. That's kind of tasteless. And then I just started thinking about how people just vanish, you know, and how everything is handled and the reception of everything, you know, I, I, it doesn't sit well with me. So uh, I guess as a way to make it up for my tasteless joke, I started looking into the, into missing 411 and I thought, you know what, I think I need to talk about this mainly because I feel like not many people are talking about it you know or okay i'm sorry that that's not true what i should say is i feel like not many people are questioning the idea of these of how certain people have gone missing especially in the circumstances that they have gone missing in you know and i'm not talking about where someone runs away from home and then their mom goes oh hey uh yeah hey my child's missing you know no no um i'm talking like the really weird stuff where somebody hey listen i'm i'm going to be back uh i'll be back in 10 minutes and then they never show up again no one ever saw them again you know or those really weird ones where oh hey i have a question you know they start talking to somebody they turn around they take 3 steps they go oh actually you know what and then they look back and then that person's gone you know that that really bothers me you know that actually um there is a story like that in in actuality the story is of a reed taylor Jepson, Salt Lake City, Utah, 1964. I'm reading this off of thecharlieproject.org. For those of you who don't know the website, it's just a, it's a website that is a dedicated site for missing people. Uh, You should take a look at it. It's actually, it's really intriguing. And some of the stories really make you feel weird. And some it's, I hate to say it, but some that I've read uh, almost give you the sense of you know what happened. That that they are probably killed or kidnapped or uh, sex trafficking. I would hate to say it. But, that being said, this is the story of Reed Taylor Jepsen. Here are the details according to charlieproject.org forward slash case forward slash Reed dash Taylor dash Jepsen. The details of his disappearance. Reed was last seen in his hometown of Salt Lake City, Utah on October 12th, 1964. After his family returned from church, he went out to feed his two dogs and take them for a walk. He lived near Immigration Canyon, near 1400 South and 3000 East, and kept his dogs about 200 yards from the house. He told his sister he would be back within an hour and a half in time for dinner. A friend saw Reed walking the dogs near the old St. Mary of Wasatch building, near Wasatch Boulevard, at 1 p.m. Reed and both animals disappeared, and none of them have ever been seen again. Both the, both the dogs were German short-haired pointers. One of them was a puppy. Reed was a sophomore at East High School and a member of the school football team at the time of his disappearance. He leaves behind 11 siblings. His loved ones do not do not believe he ran away. He wasn't having any problems, and he left all of his belongings behind at home. That would include money he had earned from his paper route. Reed's family described him as a good student and a popular teenager with many friends in Salt Lake City and in Montana, where his family kept a summer home. One of his hobbies was training his dogs for bird hunting. He was 15 at the time, 5'6", 140 to 150 pounds. He was last seen wearing a white cotton knit shirt, a reversible parka with one side black and one side blue, blue Levi jeans and sneakers, blonde hair, blue eyed. That's a shame. Case is still open. (laughs) There's still a phone number to call if you come across and they have a progressed aged picture of how he'd look like now. To me, that just, I mean, I'm sure that there's like a thousand reasons why. Ran away from home, uh, really didn't like himself. Some people may play with the idea of maybe he tried to commit suicide. That's the thing. Both him and him and the two dogs, so the three of them, vanished. It could be a list of reasons, kidnapping, anything. And that's a shame. You know, it doesn't always have to be a, a paranormal thing. It doesn't always have to be some sort of creepy monster or extraterrestrial. The truth is maybe the monsters are just us. And there's a lot of pain in the world. A lot of dark things that go on here on this rock. And I believe God is none to blame. We have the ability of choice. Perhaps God does not make the world this way we do. And that is a dark truth I learned a long, long time ago. And to think that the idea of a 15-year-old being taken having his life taken away from him at such a young age because of another human. Because of their selfishness. It's disgusting. As you know, I live out west. I live in Utah. And the idea of Ted Bundy once being here is, is, is an interesting thought. Now, if you want to talk about a selfish human causing people to go missing, there you go. On this website, I decided to look up stuff in the Utah area, like missing people within the Utah area and there was a there was a poster i'm going to try to find it it was talking about this uh, i think it was i think she was 19 it was talking about this girl who was last seen going on a date and it didn't say who the who the date was but all that the poster said was that the police spoke to spoke to the gentleman and they didn't find any evidence of foul play now apparently he said he dropped her off and that was that which if that's true, which I don't I don't think so, but if that's true, then isn't that weird? Drops her off in front of her house, leaves, and she vanishes between the pathway from the car to her house. And that's it. That's disturbing to me if that's true, but uh obviously I do suspect foul play and I suspect other things and whatnot, but for sure. For sure, believe that there was something much more to that. When it comes to Ted Bundy, there's the selfishness right there. There's always these rumors around here talking about uh, the Ted Bundy caves. If you talk to anybody in the state of Utah, they're always going to tell you, "Oh, have you ever been to a Ted Bundy cave yet?" You know, and it's kind of like the rite of passage <laughs> is to go to a Ted Bundy cave. And uh, there's there's a lot of weird things about Utah, man when I first moved here, I thought it was this, <laughs> it sounds stupid, I thought it was like this land of, um, of righteousness, you know, angels, because of the uh, strong religious impact here, you know, there's a huge impact of religion here, and, you know, you hear all these stories, especially if you're not from there, a lot of churches everywhere, and uh, which is true, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding, I think I saw a street one time where there was two churches of the same religion across the street from each other. <laughs> and I thought, well, mercy me. I'm, I'm from the deep South and I never seen anything like that. And the South, there's churches galore, you know? It, it, it's almost culture shock if you ever decide to. If you've never been to Utah and you want to, go ahead and check it out. But man, it, it's, it's interesting here. It really is. But one of the things is you would never think in a million years all the weird stuff that happens here. Uh, a good friend of mine from Missouri. From O'Fallon, Missouri. So if there's anybody here from Missouri, there's a special shout out to you. But he's from O'Fallon and he actually came here to visit me in Utah. And we ended up taking like like a drive to Provo. I wanted to show him all you know the stuff and all that. Especially since Provo was on the way. Because we were going to south of Utah. And I had to pick him up from, from Salt Lake City Airport. I went to pick him up and we, you know, we stopped by Provo and all that. And after he was here for about a few days, he goes, man, you know, this is not what I thought Utah would be. And I, I said, buddy, amen to that. There's a lot, you know, a lot of weird things, a lot of rumors. You have the Ted Bundy caves, certain, certain small towns and cities. There's rumored to be a cult. One of them would be that I, that I think so. I think so, like wholeheartedly is in Springville, Springville, Utah. I believe that there's a cult here in Springville, Utah. Last year, when I went to uh, adopt one of my dogs, I stopped by the Springville Animal Shelter. And I made an appointment because, you know, with the virus and everything, they asked you to make appointments and all that. And I made an appointment to go see him and hopefully adopt him. I kind of knew that he was the one. He's such a good dog. If I have a critique on a dog, I mean it. I'm very picky when it comes to my animals because I, I don't, I don't look at them as a pet. I look at them as a, uh, as a companion and as uh, and as a partner. I had to find the right one. And he, he is a work dog. He's, he's a sheep dog. He likes to do work. But when I went to the animal shelter, a very interesting thing happened and I couldn't shake it. And I still sit, I still say this story to this day. And I actually have a few friends who, live or used to live in Springville and I'll talk to them a- a- about Springville. I would always say this. And that was when when I was going to adopt the dog. I was talking to to the employee behind the behind the front desk. She left to go get the paperwork she had to print it out because she ran out of out of the pages and she had to go print out on a new stack. And I was waiting for her, I, you know, I started to like glance around the lobby and look around. And in the animal shelter, and if somehow, if anybody's hearing this from Springville, if you're in the animal, uh, if you're in the shelter, it's as soon as you walk in, you look to your left, and on the wall to your left, there's two cork boards. One side is dogs, the other side is cats, and it's for for the missing animals. I was staring at the dog ones, and I was looking around, uh, observing it. And, you know, there's like a good few, probably like 10, 12. I thought, okay. And I looked over to my right at the cats. The cats filled the entire cork board. The papers filled the entire cork board. I was in such awe staring at this board that I had to verbally express myself. And under my breath, I went, wow. The young lady who was working behind the counter comes back and she goes, oh, yeah, Mm mm-hmm. There's a lot of missing cats here in Springville, and if you could believe it, we actually have a lot more. There's not enough room, so every so often, we have to swap out the pages. And I looked at her and went, are you serious? She goes, oh, I, oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and I was observing the posters, and most of them, not all of them, but most of them, these these cats went missing around holidays, around holidays. There was a kind young man from, I used to work with him. I don't, I don't work there anymore and I can't, for legal reasons, I actually cannot say where I used to work, but all I can say is, is I used to work at a treatment center and he used to work there as well. And I was talking to him one day and he goes, yeah, you know, my cat's missing. And I quickly stared at him and I'm like, really? And he goes, oh yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. And I was like, when did he go missing? And he goes, oh, um. Uh, Probably around uh, the week of Thanksgiving. And I said, really? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, absolutely. The week of Thanksgiving. Hmm." He goes, yes. Yeah, it's a shame. He never goes outside. But every so often he does it, but he always sticks around the house because he doesn't like to be away from us. So every time he has escaped outside, he usually just sits right by the door wanting to come out because he's scared of it. He goes, He went missing because my, uh, because my girlfriend left, left the door open for a few seconds. He goes, I saw him run out and I went after him and I was a good few feet away. So when he cut the corner out the door, I was expecting to see him. He goes, and I couldn't find him anywhere. He just vanished. And he goes, and I never saw him again. And that really bothered me because it's, it was the week of Thanksgiving. And when I was living in Florida, there is a such thing. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with it. I'm sure that a good chunk of you are. But there is a belief, almost a religion, called the Santeria. And it is, uh, it is primarily believed by Cubans. It's pretty big in Cuban culture. Essentially, what it is, is just Caribbean witchcraft, if you will. From what I was explained of it, it was, um, there's different parts of it that were taken from voodoo. Very similar to the origin of hoodoo. Very similar to it. It was taken from different aspects of the voodoo practices. It has its own twists and turns on it. From what I've been explained by certain people who have or still continue to practice the santeria, it's explained as there there are two types, essentially. One is where they, it's your classic, they sacrifice birds, small animals, cats, things like that. Then there's the other ones where they offer up vegetables and fruit. They sacrifice vegetables and fruit. And I think like insects, that's as far as it goes. Now, I'm bringing this up because I often looked, I often have the thought, sorry, excuse me, I often have the thought of, what if, perhaps, there's some sort of coven, like a group of witches, I, I know some people might be rolling their eyes, but just but just bear with me, there might be some sort of coven, group of witches, or a cult, now I don't care what you believe in, you could be skeptic all day long, you cannot tell me that cults don't exist, because they do, there's a, there's a thousand stories of them. And the things that people will go for something that they believe in are astounding. The lengths that people will go. And the idea for me is that there has to be an explanation for these cats vanishing. Some people might go, well, what if they're being claimed by other owners and stuff? You know what? Hey, cool. I can, I can, I can go with that. Some... uh Someone I was actually talking to when I brought this up, they said, well, there is a such thing as, you know, roadkill, and it happens a lot. True. Very true. Very, very true. Not saying that that's not the case. But you honestly, honest to God, you can't tell me that when a board probably five foot long, it's probably by, uh, it's probably about five feet by three feet, a cork board, and it was filled. It was filled. And when I say filled, I'm talking they were squeezing a lot of posters there. I don't know how it is now. This was last year. You honestly can't tell me that those cats just decided to vanish. Just on their own. Or that they ran away and no. So my two primary things, as of right now, would be mountain lions and eagles and things like that. I can sure. Or there's some sort of dark source. There's a source of darkness behind it. As cheesy as that sounds, I really think so. Because it's it's one thing, okay, hey, sure. Um, they all are missing, but to see them but to see those dates almost exactly the same week of a holiday is quite disturbing. There's a good friend of mine, uh eh, I don't know if I would say good, she'd probably disagree with me, but I, I really enjoy her company. But she's been, uh, she she actually used to, she she has lived in Springville uh, most of her life. And I was talking to her and I said, hey, y- you know, I have a weird question for you. What do you think of the idea of a cult being in Springville? What do you think about that? And she looked at me and with just a blank face, no expression, she goes, oh, I'll, I'll, I wouldn't put it past it. I said, really? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't put it past anybody here in Springville. She goes, there's a lot of weird stuff that has happened in Springville. A lot of things that, uh, that you wouldn't expect. And I guess I'm saying all this because one, Utah's weird. And two, people are weird. People are odd. And there are weird things that happen. There are stories where things that are, are just weird. Very, very weird things. There was a story that happened to me personally. Well, someone. I was talking to a family friend of mine. I've known her since I was 15. So it's been, a, it's been a little north of a decade. And I was having this conversation with her, and we were just catching up on on old times, going back and forth. Oh, how's you? How's the family? How are the kids? How is everything? And halfway through the conversation, or actually r- rather towards the end, be, before she was getting off the phone, because you know how when you're, you know, when you're having a, a phone call, you can kind of sense when it's about to end? So before it was coming to a close, I decided, you know what? Hey, listen, how are you? Like, how are you doing really? How are you really doing? And she goes, oh man, you know, I, you know, I'm doing well, I'm doing all right. I'm just, it's been a little hectic for the past few, for the past month. And I said, really, why is that? She goes, well, you know, I've been doing this. I've been doing that, helping out my dad, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, uh you know, I've been helping out with the searches for for that girl that went missing around here, and I said, "Oh, she responds, "Yes, yeah, yeah have you have you not heard it?" I said, "No, no, no. What happened?" She goes, "Oh man," about uh about a few months ago, because at this time this was probably in uh April, April or March around there, she goes a few a, a few months ago, there was this girl, uh, she actually went to your parents' church. She went missing. She either ran away from home or something bad happened to her. And I was I was shocked. I was shocked, ladies and gentlemen. I, I was f- almost floored. I thought, no way. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should look her up. She tells me the girl's name. I look her up. And what do you know it? Noemi Bolivar is her name. And I, I couldn't believe it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read her um her information on the Missing Peoples poster that has been posted around Hollywood, Florida. Last scene, February eleventh, twenty twenty one. Her age? Twenty one. Height? Five three. 162 pounds, black hair, brown eyes. She's actually wearing, she was last seen wearing a striped shirt, which is actually featured on her missing people's poster. That picture was taken prior to her disappearance, and yet she was wearing the shirt that she would later vanish in. She was also wearing Jean Bermuda shorts. She was wearing Jean shorts. The circumstances. Noemi left her home in Hollywood, Florida around 4 p.m. on a Thursday, February 11th, 2021, to go for a walk. She was last seen around 6 p.m. at the Ann Club Nature Center Park near Hollywood Beach. And I couldn't believe that. I actually, when I was living in in, in South Florida, I actually used to go to... The Ann Club Nature Center for a while. I would, I would, I would frequent that spot a lot. I really would, and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, and I guess the dark thing is, from time to time, my mother and I would would like tease each other. We would make these small little teases to each other. Oh, sometimes my mother would go, "Man, you know, I feel like I could. Someone can kidnap me here really easy." You know, we would make these small little dark humorous jokes and whatnot. It's one thing to joke about it. You know? It's one thing to joke about something dark before that dark deed actually happens. But to have it happen, and now that it's real, my mom and I almost can't make those those same jokes anymore. We almost can't, uh it just doesn't sit it doesn't sit well with us. And for good reason too believe my mom, if I'm remembering correctly, told me that she's probably seen her once or twice. I mean, she must have. Because they, cause they did indeed go to the same church. And that's the thing. You know, a 21 year old woman disappears. Vanishes. Uh, some people have their theories. And that's another thing. That's another that's another end of the stick. That, you know, you kind of experience just a little bit, you know. It's one thing if if that said person, if you don't know them. You know, you just hear their name, and you, you know, you go, oh my goodness, well, this is what must have happened to him or her, but if it's somebody that you know, or somebody that your friends know, and you see all these people going, Oh, she was kidnapped, oh, she ran away, oh, you know, it's almost like, it's almost stunning, it almost leaves you at a halt, you know, it makes you want to catch your breath, and that's, and that's the interesting thing, you know, it, it's, it's, it gives you a weird feeling in your spine, a very uncomfortable feeling at that it's um It's unsettling, and that's the thing there's just so many things out there where you almost can't help but scratch your head at there's actually a story that was told to me by uh, by a good friend of mine, really good friend he um he basically told me how Oh man, it was years ago, but him and his good friend decided that's not me. But him and his good friend decided to uh go on a camping trip. You know, just the two of them, the two boys. They you know, they wanted to have a good time and and yes, this is in the Missouri area where where he's from. And uh, I'm not sure which part. I would have to ask him. But he um him and his friend uh, decided to go to a national park. It was listed as a national park on the website. They decided to go, and I'm not sure which entrance they took, which approach that they that they did go. But they said just just the um, just the drive there alone was weird. Apparently, they had to go through these odd roads to make it to I guess the login spot. It's uh, apparently they were at a uh, they were apparently um, at this part of the park where uh, you drive, you park your car, and you would fill out like a form to inform the people of in case you went missing or anything like that. That this was your last stop. You leave the date, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. My friend told me that the last person to fill out was actually quite a while before they even arrived, and that was the last one to fill out the form. Which I'm not going to say anything was behind it or anything. I mean, it, sometimes people just don't want to fill those things out, or they, you know, they forget to, or you know, it could have been a list of reasons. The weird thing was they got their gear and they started hiking through, they were hiking through the park and on this trail. And if I'm not mistaken, my, my friend told me that they were the, that they were the only ones around as far as that they could tell. And I think, I think he told me that they were walking for quite some bit, probably about an hour. If my memory serves me right. And as they were walking, my friend said, uh, Early on in the hike, he had this weird feeling that he shouldn't be there. But he thought, you know, he was just out of his comfort zone. He assumed that he was, he was out of out of his realm, out of his. Uh, he was not in his dojo, so to speak. And so he relied on his friend, who his friend is an avid outdoorsman, loves the outdoors, loves being out there. He's a hunter. He's been doing it basically his whole life. I believe as of right now, he is a botanist. And I, I believe that that's what his job entails is that I think that he goes around to different parks, to national parks and studies things and all that. And he was telling me that he was relying on his, uh, you know, he was relying on his friend who is more comfortable in the great outdoors. And probably about an hour in on the hike, his friend the hunter looks at him and goes hey um man i i hope you don't hate me for this but i think that we should turn back and my friend looks at him and he goes why well i mean i don't i'm going to trust your instincts but why and he goes what do you hear right now and my friend said that that he stopped and he took a listen and he said that he heard the rushing of a nearby uh, a river. And he thought, oh, well, you know, I can hear the river that's nearby. And his friend tells him, mm, no, that river's not nearby. It's actually quite a ways away. And he thought, really? He goes, oh, yeah. Hear anything else? My friend sits and listens. No, 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 I don't hear anything. And he goes, that's the problem there's nothing. There's not a sound. And that's when he tells my friend, you see, nature is never quiet. Ever. Unless, and if I'm remembering this right, he told him, unless, there's a predator around. That of the apex class Or there's something that they know not what it is. And that is why they are hiding. Every living thing in that moment, in that part of time that they existed in, hid, camouflaged, and went silent. And the only two people that were not, the only two creatures that weren't, was my friend and his friend my friend completely agreed with his outdoorsman of a friend and they headed back. My friend said the entire time they were on edge walking the hour back to his friend's truck. Of course he drives a truck. Why wouldn't he? But walking back to his friend's truck. When they got in the car, they hopped in and they took off. Still to this day, my friend and his friend talk about that experience. And if you asked my friend right now, he will wholeheartedly tell you that he believes that he would have ended up missing. And he told me that you could feel something there. I'm not saying that this goes a part of every missing people's case, what I am saying though is that I do believe that there are weird things that do happen to a small number of these missing peoples there's a there's a popular map it shows these clusters of spots, and someone took the cluster of spots that was created by. David um, Politis, the creator of Missing Four One One, and I know some people you know, they don't agree with him, or they think that his views or his points are a little off, or a little, or, or a little weird. The truth is, 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 is I'm a, I'm a believer in it. I actually, I can see a lot of what he's saying, and I don't think. I mean, this is just my opinion, but I do not think that he is saying that all these cases applied everything. And in fact, uh, he has said it, I believe. I'm pretty sure he has. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he has gone out and said that that uh, there's only a certain criteria that fits into missing 411. Someone took the clusters that he made and he matched it with the largest cave systems in North America. And they almost line up perfectly, perfectly with missing peoples clusters. And it's a part of me and I don't know where I stand. But a part of me just wants to just wants to say that that's not a coincidence. You know. There are many tales by Native American people in which they talk about things living in the caves. And things is the right word. I'm not talking about bears. I'm not talking no. Something that probably fits in their own classification. Some people say cryptids. Some people call them monsters. I'm not sure what I want to call them. But they are tales of these things living in caves. In fact, there are many different peoples from the ancient era and beyond that have spoken about things coming out of caves. And they had no correlation with each other. We're talking civilizations across the earth from each other when at a time they didn't think there's anything beyond their oceans. And some people they go out, they, they talk about Sasquatch. They talk about the flesh gate. Some go as far as talking about extraterrestrial life. I'm not. It's very hard for me. To accept the idea that some people just disappear. I'll tell you, uh I'll tell you a story that I heard. I'm not sure where I heard it from. Um, not sure where. I think I read it somewhere or but it involved a man in the 80s in Miami. And I actually tried I actually tried to look for it and I couldn't find it. So this is going to be based off of my memory. If someone can find it, then go ahead, please. But there was a uh there's a popular story. Oh well, Somewhat popular. I heard it once or twice living uh, in Florida, and the story was is that there was a gentleman in the nineteen eighties. It was him and his friends. They were driving. They were going to clubs, and Miami has a very big club scene for those of you who have not been there. Very big club scene, and they were hitting the clubs, and they were enjoying themselves, and they were having a grand old time, and. It was him and his three other friends. They were sitting inside their uh, inside the vehicle. They were going down a highway. And on their drive, this big flash happened. Big old flash happened. And the driver was gone. The friends don't know where he ended up. They don't know what happened to him. And they panicked. They called the cops. They, they they freaked out. Turns out about an hour of their life has gone. Has just gone by. They have no memory of anything. The car was in a different spot than from the road that they were driving in. So the police go on a search. Maybe about ooh, an hour later. Maybe two hours later, if I'm not mistaken possibly more, they find the gentleman who's quote-unquote missing. He's in a different city in Florida and his watch was, was back to when he vanished and he has no memory of anything. He has no clue. His watch was still working. It, it didn't die out. It was almost frozen. Frozen in time. Now, I'm saying this because there are weird things that happen like that. And my question is, what about the ones that aren't brought back from wherever they went? Perhaps, as as weird as it sounds, and bear with me, perhaps there are some, there's some sort of portal, some sort of door that opens. And if you're caught in it at the wrong place and at the wrong time, you're gone. There's a story. It's called The the Green Children of Woolpit. And this is, hopefully this can give you some sort of light to the idea of what I'm talking about. There's a legend of the Green Children of Woolpit. And I'm reading this on Wikipedia, actually. So if you just type in on any search browser, Green Children of Woolpit, the Wikipedia will pop up and you can read it. The legend of the Green Children of Woolpit concerns two children of unusual skin color who reportedly appeared in the village of Woolpit in Suffolk, England. Sometime in the 12th century, perhaps during the reign of King Stephen. The children, brother and sister, were of the generally normal appearance except for their green color of their skin. They spoke in an unknown language and would eat only raw, broad beans. Eventually they learned to eat other food and lost their green color. But the boy was sickly and died soon after he and his sister were baptized. The girl adjusted to her new life, but she was considered to be quote, rather loose and wanton in her conduct. Close quote. After she learned to speak English, the girl explained that she and her brother had come from St. Martin's Land, a subterranean world inhabited of green people. It's written about 1889 and 1220 respectively. I'm a firm believer that some are that myths and tales have truth to them in some degree. I do believe that humans are humans and we intend to water down certain tales or they over exaggerate certain things and later on like a like a terrible game of telephone the message the original message gets distorted and lost when being passed from ear to ear i'm saying this because i believe in some somewhere in this tale there is some le- there has to be some level of truth in my opinion i just think so and let's say that is entirely not well let's take a step back and in something that I always love to do. Let's play the what if game. What if it is real? Let's just say. For the sake of this podcast. What if it's real? What if that story is true? Could that be a possibility as to how 600,000 people vanish? Is that, is that a possibility? It's eerie. How a person, poof, gone. And we're not talking about, you know, human beings in a light sense of the word. I'm talking people here. Full-grown people like you and me. People that had favorite foods. Favorite colors. People who had their own guilty pleasures. People with memories, with moms, with dads, siblings, and they're gone. Erased in a snap, in a Thanos snap, they're gone. With no trace. Now, yeah. There are those cases where they do find the evidence of foul play and eventually they find something that brings a dark closure and that is their remains of who they used to be. But what about the ones that that they never find? What about the ones that leave more questions than answers? Because sometimes even finding a small remnant of who used to be just leaves you more confused and less satisfied. Look at that girl that went missing from my parents' church. 21 years on this earth, and just like that, she's gone. Whether it was by something paranormal, if you want to go with that, or whether it was by somebody's horrible actions, 21 years vanishes, and there is no stopping it. Unless, of course, it's... By the time you even notice, it's already happened. And it's infuriating. And there's a level of pain that will always be there. What do you do? What do you do with that? You have no other choice but to continue living. And that's the hard part. It's really hard. It's really unsettling. There are times where people just go. I used to have a friend. He would um. He would make these stupid decisions. And he would get a tunnel vision on almost almost everything that he ever did. And in the end, it screwed him over. And in the end, he threw everybody away. Because he was ashamed of who he was. That's my view of him. I'm saying this because there are people out there who just get this tunnel vision on things. And there are cases where people do just want to run away. Or they get something in their in their mind and they and they have to do it. There's a gentleman who disappeared in uh in the 80s in 1985. You you can look him up online. Short, sweet, simple case. Fred Richard Davis. This is um on the missing people's uh site for Utah. bci.utah.gov. Fred Richard Davis missing Eight twenty eight nineteen eighty five. 1985. He was 31 at the time of his missing. 5'11", 165 pounds, brown hair, blue eyes. The description says, Mr. Davis was last seen 8-28-1985, so August 28th, 1985, and was supposed to meet his family members in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for a hunting trip. But he never arrived. His vehicle, a beige-colored C-10 pickup truck was later located on September 19, 1985, in the parking lot of the Dunes Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. The vehicle was unlocked, the windows were rolled down, and the kings were left in the truck. Something small. There's not that much detail, but at the same time, there's almost too much. He went the opposite way of Wyoming. And his truck ended up at a Dunes casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. He had a plan. He had plans. He was meeting family members in Jackson Hole. Never made it, only to go the opposite way. What was his plan? Did he obtain a tunnel vision on starting a new life? Did he hate himself? Did he? I don't know. And that's the scary part, is trying to understand human nature. It is insanely unpredictable, but at the same time, it really is. The only times humans are predictable is when they fit into the society of things. When they become the cog in the machine. And they're always going to be predictable until they're not. When they're no longer that cog. When they're no longer that part that fits into the machine. And they're gone. I was on a road trip from Idaho, going back to Utah. And I stopped by a, a reservation to get some gas for the car. I got out I walked inside I went to use the bathroom and as I was leaving there was a have you seen me poster and I looked at it and it was a gentleman of Native American descent who went missing apparently the details were he got in his truck said that he'll be back never came back about two three months later they found his truck outside of a nature trail with his keys still in it. The police believe that he uh, ran away from home and, and this is real. They say that he ran away from home and he's living amongst the homeless now. They think that he probably jumped on a train and took off. Why? Why? Why leave your car behind? Oh, and the weird little detail is that he left the car door ajar. It was open. The driver door was indeed open. Not unlocked. uh, It was open. And that's when someone called the police to inform the truck, and then it turns out that it was linked to that Gentlemen, sometimes I guess people just go through episodes or maybe sometimes people actually do end up being the victim of something that we can't fathom. Maybe there is something that happens to us, not all of us, but a good chunk of the human populace. Probably goes through something where it's like a defensive mode that activates. Because they don't want to believe that there's something weird like that. Oh, hey, so-and-so disappeared without a trace. Oh, kidnapped. Easy. Kidnapped. Oh, hey, your friend that was in the woods, he was over-exaggerating. Besides you know what, maybe he, and if he was feeling something that was really weird, it was probably some creep in the woods very fast to jump to these things. oh hey, they're victim of sex trap- uh sex trafficking they're in Europe now, being sold on the black market. they want their kidney, they ran away to be with their uh to be with their lover simple. They knew that their family wouldn't accept them, and just like that they left. i can't i understand like i and that's and that's the hard part is I understand that part, I understand that side, and I used to be on that side, you know there's that story of that little boy in idaho uh diorn Dior kuntz, I believe his last name was. Long story short, apparently, um they went out on a camping trip. The mom, the dad, the boy, the mom's father, and the mom's father's friend decided to go to they they decided to go on a fishing trip, and as a three year old or two year old does through a fit, the mom said, "Fine, then you don't have to come with us if you know if if you're gonna be like that, then you can stay back with Grandpa. The mom's father decided to stay at the campfire, relax. And she told him to go walk over to him. Apparently they were about eh, 30 feet away, 50 feet away. The mom and the dad walk over. They take a couple steps and they turned around just, I guess, out of, you know, just out of instinct. And the kid's gone. He's gone. Um. They asked the grandfather, where the heck is he? He goes, oh, I don't know. He was just right there. And just like that. He's missing, still missing to this day. There's a lot of people who jump to the idea that the parents did it, which is honestly that's a fair you know that's a fair toss-up. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot that down. That's really fair and understandable. Some people think it's paranormal. Some people. I, my my point is, let's let's put that aside. Let's put away the defensive. Thing that activates within us. Let's push it aside. And let's let's just play that game. That weird game that makes everyone uncomfortable. What if he did vanish into thin air? What then? Could you live with the idea that that just happens to people? Gone. Over. One minute they're there. The next second, they're not. There is no footprints, there is no trace, there is there's nothing. Most you can do is cross your fingers and pray that they come back alive. That's all that you can do. If it's real, it's horrifying. And it's a lottery. That any one of us can be a part of. And apparently, according to FBI.gov, in 2019, as I said earlier, 609,000 people vanished. So 609,000 people, they bit the bullet. And where are they now? I wouldn't have the slightest clue and nor would I be tossing around that a ape-human hybrid took them for supper or that there's a sick lunatic out there who gets his rocks off by slaughtering and consuming human beings I w- I'm not, I'm not going to shoot those possibilities out there just because for the one to be respectful, but two, because it's a scary thought to think about, at least in my opinion. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are going that this is poppycock and to some degree, uh, I say that too, just, just to give me some sort of peace of mind. Here's a story that's a little uh a little uncanny. It is a story of uh James McGrogan. I'm gonna read this off of uh TopTens.net. It's a little silly of a name, but uh I really like the article that was written because it's condensed in such a way where it's not too long and it gets straight to the point. And it points out these really good um it it just points out all the weird things and it leaves it up to you and i and I think it does it really nicely so whoever wrote it um did really well in fact let me give credit to whoever wrote it uh a shannon quinn October 19th 2018 is when they wrote it so they uh she or he or they did a really good job of writing it and uh, I would like to read it to you In 2014, a doctor named James McGrogan went on what is called a split snowboard trip with friends in Vail, Colorado. Not many people have heard of splitboarding. This is a sport that looks a lot like cross-country skiing or hiking in snowshoes. He came prepared with his cell phone and satellite GPS system. He was much faster than his friends, so he said that he would wait for them at the next stop. They lost signal of him and never saw him at any of the stops along the trail. When the search team went looking for him, they found no tracks in the snow that veered off the trail, so they had no idea where he could have possibly gone. Five days later, his body was discovered 4.5 miles away quote, as the crow flies, close quote, which was more than a 14-mile hike as he would have had to climb up mountains in order to get there. His body was found by two hikers at the bottom of a frozen waterfall. The search party had gone over the area multiple times before, but had never seen him until that day. McGrogan was mangled in a strange position. His skull was crushed, as if he had fallen from the sky. He was still wearing the full ski outfit and helmet, but there were no boots on his feet, and he had also taken off his gloves. The search and rescue team later found his discarded split board, but they never found his boots. His cell phone and GPS were still working, and he had packed a backup battery as well. They tested the area where he was found, and there was a cell phone signal. Yet, he never called anyone for help. The police have deemed this as an accidental death and closed the case. That's just... That's just insanely odd. A man who was faster than his group, which means, obviously, that he has um much experience. And yet, he vanishes. If he really was lost, why didn't he make a call? And, and it's not like, well, you know, his friends wouldn't have answered anyway. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter who or what would answer. He never made an outgoing call. The log never showed it. No calls. His GPS still worked as well. If he was lost, he could have used it. And he didn't. What, he suffered a case of amnesia? I doubt that it was hypothermia because he was wearing his suit. That's what bothers me, is that these tales? there's a linear objective that they're doing. There's an activity with an objective to it. It's not like he was a hermit that existed in the woods and ate snails. And one day just decided to jump off the waterfall just because he thought he could fly. No. This is a gentleman with a career. Who had a linear objective to the task that he was doing at hand. Which is uh, what is apparently called split snowboarding. And he's faster than his friends and he'll tell them that he's going to wait at the next stop. And he never does. And they never find his tracks. That's a common thing. With these missing 411 cases is that they're missing articles of clothing. They're missing equipment. They're missing something about them. it's odd. It's odd. It's weird. And it's disturbing that this is a possibility. That at any moment, depending on the choices that we make, we might end up as one of them. We might, as I said earlier, bite the bullet. We might win that horrifying lottery. And just like that, In the snap of a finger, we're gone. Well, I think the sun is setting on this episode of the podcast. I want to say thank you to the people who uh, inspired me to do this, and to anybody who's listening. Even if this is your one and only time to do it, I'm grateful. Even if you don't like anything that I do or say, I'm grateful. I'm alive. I'm well. And I feel like I can finally do something with myself that I always wanted to do. Thank you for lending me your ear today. Until next week, God bless you. Please take care of yourself. And if you get the chance, make sure to say goodbye to certain people because you may not ever see them again. Make sure that you know that that you care about them. And if you love them, let them let them know that you love them. I don't think that there's enough of that in the world. And the world waits for no one. One minute you're there, next thing you know it, you're not. It's time for me to go. Until our next conversation. Please take care. Have a great one.